This is Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of London and David Lewis. Hello and welcome to Straight Ahead with me, Joe Harrop, and my co-pilot, David Lewis. And it's brought to you in association with the 606 Club in Chelsea in London. We just played you a groovy little track by Ramsey Lewis called Hang On Sloopy that was recorded live from the lighthouse. And now we're going to go into Some Other Blues, which is a Jean Toussaint song featuring Jason Rebello on the keys, who David had on his show last week for a wonderful interview. Enjoy.
just listened to some other blues from impressions of Coltrane with Kenny Washington and my guest from last week, Jason Rebello on the piano. Joe, hello and welcome. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, uh, very good, thank you. I was just thinking I was really enjoying listening to the show last week with Jason. I'm a big fan and he's... uh, what an interesting life he's had <laughs> it was one of those interviews I came off of that call and I was just so innovated and upbeat the man just I don't know something about that interview sometimes it just captures it you know and it, it, that was one of those times and I've been wanting Jason on the show for forever and a day so that was like a little dream come true for me <laughs> so the months pass incredibly quickly we're back together again we'll be talking about what's been happening to you and uh, what you've got planned over the next little while but we've got some one of your uh, colleagues that we're going to be playing a track from next. And of course, we had Andy Davis on the show a little bit early on in the summer. Seems a long time ago, suddenly, the summer, doesn't it? Oh, the time just seems like it's kind of evaporated this year, isn't it? It's the weirdest time frame, it really is. So, this I know we talked about this particular album on the show with Andy, didn't we? Yeah, we did. He, this is the Rise of the Spider Monkey album, but um, <laughs> it's such a good album. But he's such a, he's such a great character and such a, a passionate play. You know, when you watch him, I went to see him at Ronnie Scott's. He and Nigel Price did a, a duo gig uh, upstairs at Ronnie's last Wednesday. And it was 6.30 until 9.30 when usually when I go and see him there, I get there at about, you know, between 11 and midnight and leave about between three and four in the morning. And we're hanging, literally hanging at the bar, hanging off the bar, hanging under the bar. Um, <laughs> it's called a not, hang for a good reason, yeah. Yeah, you're not allowed now. You have to sit down and be good and and, um, and have table service. And they have the stages in front of the bar so you can actually get to the bar, you know. Um, but it was so lovely just to see live music again. Mm. It really, you know, you, don't, you, you go out and you're a bit apprehensive. Oh, what's it going to be like? But you get past the initial thing of temperature check and make sure you wear your mask when you go to the toilet all that kind of thing and you think oh and you get there and you just get absorbed in the music and it you know it takes you back to that place you realize just how much you miss it that live thing you know like watching people online is nothing compared with just being in the room especially with somebody like Andy and Nigel where their energies are so you know he's he's so funny he's such a good performer he's such a character and the way that he chats to the audience as well he, he really gets into character it's, it's good fun I think I mentioned to you when I came to see you down at the six back in August I think it was and at the top of the stairs there I actually felt uh, trepidation I was going to see a live gig again it was like this yeah. is what I used to do this is what I I considered as a normal it, it's weird isn't it but uh, yeah here's to that new normality what track have you chosen oh, for us Mandy oh. We're not going to accept the new normality. No, we're not. We're rebelling. Fighting it for the, we're fighting for the gigs. Absolutely. I'm in good <laughs> um, company. I'm with a rebel. I know that. <laughs> um, Big T featuring Nathan Britton on piano and Salim Rahman on the drums from Andy Davis' Riders of the Spider Monkey. 
So the track we just listened to there was Joe's friend and trumpeter that we had on the show earlier on in the summer, Andy Davis. We just listened to Big T featuring Nathan Britton and Salim Ramon. And talking of friends, we've got two of your friends as guests on the show with us this month, haven't we? Who have we got uh, this month with us? I'm just playing on my friends, aren't I? You really uh, are. <laughs> the no. jazz. But they've got talent. There's no bad thing. I like They're your very friends. They're talented friends. Uh, the Jazz Vikings from the north, Zoe Gilby mm-hmm. and Andy, Andy Champion. Married Andy. couple. And uh, Zoe, of course, a vocalist, Andy, a bass player. Yeah, that's right. Very, very talented uh, people, incredible bass player who I like to steal every now and again when, when Zoe's not working with him. And um, and his wife, Zoe Gilby, who in her own right is is just one wonderful uh, artist. She's a songwriter, singer, and won the uh, Best Vocalist Parliamentary Jazz Award last year. And for instance, with Paul Edis, you didn't know of him until you were both down in London. But, That's uh, right. Same with Jamie. And, and oh, and, yeah, where, where I was going to lead on with Zoe and Andy. Did you know those when you're back up in the northeast? Or? I, met, I met Andy through um, working with Paul because Paul would book Andy right. on our gigs, and then I was blown away by him. But Zoe used to come down. I'd heard of Zoe, but she used to come down to some of the gigs, and mm-hmm. we met him. We just got on like a house on fire. So um, it's just two lovely souls, really, but exceptionally talented. And uh, we had a lovely interview with them. We've got a lot to get through with them. And we're playing some of their music through the course of the show. And they've got a project out at the moment, haven't they? Living in the Shadows is their new project. Living in the Shadows is their new project. They've got quite a lot of projects, but this is their latest one, which um, I think it's influenced what they're going to talk about that later Mm. in the show. But what's this first track track, called? This is their debut single from that project called For The Day. And then we're going to hear the first part of our interview with Zoe Gilby and Andy Champion. It's a bird of prey, bird of prey following their fate. 
never stay the same for the day living in the change for the day never stay the same for the day We've got two very exciting guests on the show this week, David. Um, I'm hoping you can understand uh, whether we need to get in a translator. My silence could be speaking volumes here. I might just <laughs> nod in audio, land. So, <laughs> I would like to introduce to my very dear friends, part of the Georgie Jazz Mafia, uh, the Jazz Vikings, as I lovingly call them. It's Andy Champion. <laughs> the champion bassist and the wonderful singer um, Zoe Gilby who's coming in and sharing the show with us this evening. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, hello. Hello. Hello, David. Hello. Thank you for coming on. Joe's been sort of trying to gear this one up for a fair time now, so it's great that we finally got you on the show and we're going to talk about all sorts of things that you've been up to and predominantly your new album, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, first of all, have you been keeping healthy? 
<laughs> I see. <laughs> that was a straightforward question. Yes, yes, we have. Good. Well, Zoe does. Yeah. She's crazy healthy. Well, I wouldn't say crazy healthy. That sounds like some kind of like. <laughs> well, getting up at 5 a.m. five days a week to go for a six mile run is pretty crazy. That's quite crazy. That's in kind of on your level, isn't it, Joe? Five, I don't wake up at five to do that. <laughs> but you're well, you're well and good. This yeah, oh, yes. good, we've good, got good. a we've got a dog that keeps us exercised. Yeah, so we we get him out and get fresh air and get a walk around. What, and that, so. Whatever the weather's doing, the yeah. dog needs to go out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, Joe, you were telling me just a part of what this wonderful couple get up to, but I don't know where, where we should start. Really, do you think um, with the current yeah. with the current album? Do you think perhaps? Yeah. Would you like to talk about your your new album, Living in Shadows? Is that the, that's the album name or your kind of new project name? Living in that Shadows. is both. Both. They are two and the same. One and the same. One and the same. <laughs> two and the same. One and the same. <laughs> yeah. It's, the, if you want to think of it, it's like it's a band project called Living in Shadows, and the album is just named after that. So, okay. Yeah. Just for lack of imagination. <laughs> And you were telling, and you were telling us before we started recording that the the actual album was recorded before lockdown, but then it was all mixed down during lockdown. Yes. So sorry, I'm going to take over. You just you sit. You um, answered this bit. This album, it's actually been about three years in the making, and it wasn't because we're really slow or lazy. It was just always a little thing we were doing on the side. Um, it wasn't meant to be like a new big thing or anything like that. Um. But it just ended up being that, and we didn't know what we were going to do with it. There was no plan to kind of release it or do gigs. So when lockdown happened, we weren't that disappointed about it because we didn't have a plan for it. There was actually a plan to release another album, which we'll possibly talk about in a second, Mm. and that went on the back burner because of lockdown. So because of that happened, we thought, well, look, we've got these songs. Let's put them out there and and see what happens. Is it all original? It's all original, and the way it's kind of been recorded, I think, I guess we were maybe a little bit apprehensive as to how we would perform it live. So to use this as kind of, you know, there's no pressure to perform it live, I guess, when, you know, when the when, the, when there's no gigs happening. <laughs> the pressure's not there, so we just thought, right, well, let's use this as an opportunity to get it released online and, and put it out there, because it is quite different to what we've done before in the past. It's really different, yeah. In what way? Um, you're, you're saying that it's different. In what, what, how's the stylization of it that much different to your other bodies of work? Well, it's, it's kind of more produced in terms of like the studio thing. So like what Zoe was saying, there wasn't any thought about how a band would perform it live because there's different instruments on it and there's a lot of vocal overdubs, backing vocals. Um, but the reason we, we did it, it was a few years ago and we were just having a songwriting session like we do every now and then with our good friend, Mark Williams, fantastic guitarist. And Zoe comes along with these kind of melody and lyric ideas. And then we sit down and build a song around them. And she had this one idea and it was just immediately, it was like, this doesn't sound like a a straight ahead jazz tune or, or the kind of jazz things that Zoe we've normally done. So we kind of try, it was like, okay, well let, let's write this and, record it 
write the song as we record it and build it up from there. And so it kind of brings in influences from outside of jazz, like we love Kate Bush. So there's that kind of vibe going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of into, you know, progressive rock. <laughs> I'm, I'm not ashamed to say. I'm, so I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what was that? But, uh, so, so there's some of those influences there. Obviously, there's there's jazz all the way running all the way through it because that's what we do. That's who we are. Yeah. But it just felt like rather than make this a Zoe Gilby album or a Zoe Gilby whatever, mm-hmm. and people kind of go like, oh, Zoe's changed her style, isn't she? We thought, well, let's give it a completely se- separate name like a side project, if you like. And then that means we can carry on doing the jazz thing. And we've also got this thing. It just, it's kind of what's happened this year. It's kind of taken over for us because we haven't been able to do any gigs, you know, so. I love that though. I love that how you you can go and experiment outside of the box when you're a jazz musician and you can, because we do all, I'm very influenced by other music as well. And I love the fact that you can find creativity elsewhere. Yeah, um, just as you know, you can be just as inspired by that. So, absolutely, because I think that's ultimately what jazz is about. It's about progression and it's about moving forward. And I think it is yeah. essentially about drawing on other other influences now. Um, I think when people hear the word jazz, they can think of a certain era of a certain sound, but it's actually a lot. It's a lot bigger than that, and it's yeah. a lot more integrated into other genres of music. And you certainly think of people of our generation and kind of. When when we were born and the music that we grew up with, yes, we also grew up loving jazz and getting into that. But there was also a whole other different genres of music going on that we've taken inspiration from. There's very little jazz out there that you'd say that is pure jazz. It's not influenced by anything else. There's something else in the mix of of, of new jazz that's getting recorded. It is, it's, it's odd hosting this show. I still find it so frustrating that I mention the word jazz and you can see so many people glazing over and running scared. And it's like <laughs> yeah. honestly, it's not like that. There's this weird conception sometime that jazz is this I don't know incoherent amalgamation of sounds it's you know people need to realize as you said it's actually at the core of so much music anyway yeah. it just yeah. hasn't been given that title you know it's, well, a- it's, just stuck in the, it's stuck in the past I think a lot of people think oh it's stuck in the past and yeah. it's not it's all jazz it's always been about moving and reflecting the times hasn't it always since the beginning of it when it first came out people a bit like oh this is a bit modern it's not you know and <laughs> I think that it's about moving it through and not not staying in the nostalgia stuff even though it's beautiful that kind of nostalgia it is stuff. you think of the pioneers of jazz mm. Miles Davis and Charles Mingus and Thelonious Monk when they were just just coming out were they worrying about keeping within a certain sound and staying within the box they weren't they were about pushing yeah boundaries and developing mm. their own sound and starting exactly. to do something new. And it didn't always go down well, I don't think, in the beginning. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it worked out in the no. end. Exactly. <laughs> it's always in, like, looking back, isn't it? I think with a lot of with a lot of jazz music, it's kind of like looking back and going, oh, like, you know, like, I'm just recently, I've got a jazz vinyl thing coming up with, um, and I'm, I've picked the 11 to 20 Bennett's records to, um, to oh, talk about. Beautiful. I love, but they were not well received in the 70s. You know, beautiful as they are, they were mm. kind of, Patch on, but now everybody looks back on them as probably two of the most 
poignant records in jazz, I, you know. You have. I bought you that record you on vinyl for your birthday a couple yes, of months ago. Yes, you did. Fact. And we were just listening to it, weren't we? We were. Right. Long ago. Right. I love that album. Yeah. One of our final nights. And, and speaking <laughs> as the only one not from the northeast, how vibrant is the jazz scene up in the northeast? Is it? I mean, London is a real hotbed, you know, when we're in normal times and we can go gigging. What's the scene like there? Well, I mean, it, it's nothing like London um, because it's tiny, but there are a bunch of really good players, um, creative players as well. It's not, you know, it's not just kind of restaurant gigs and playing standards. It's people writing their own music and putting and releasing records. And there's a small but vibrant scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a small city. It's a small city. Well, I mean, I suppose like, it, it's not just Newcastle. It's it's kind of the northeast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An area, you know, mm. um, but yeah, we've got some great players and and people who are kind of building national and international reputations. Yeah. Um, I think you know the, the the days of you have to move to one of the big cities to do something, whether that be London or New York or even like Berlin or something. Um, you, you, I don't think you need to do that. I mean, th- there's more opportunities play with uh, a bigger number of really good players in London, but you can still make a living and make good music anywhere, I suppose, now. But yeah. the Northeast yeah. definitely has a good scene. It's got some great promoters as well. So, um, you know, Jazz Northeast have been around for donkeys. 50 um, years. But there's other little venues that are putting stuff on and bringing in bands and artists from outside the area internationally and international artists as well so you know probably like two or three times a week mm. you can go into newcastle and see a really good gig now i know i know like you could probably go and see about 30 great gigs in london in one night but you think you of know, the size of the city it's, yeah but it's it's it's, it's a good scene and it's healthy and you know we i mean i know a lot of people i mean who, from the scene who work outside of the northeast and there's people from outside the northeast who come in and work within the northeast scene as well so it's great yeah you know? obviously it hasn't been great this year yeah. <laughs> and i don't think live streams and stuff happening is yeah. there and it's you know like yeah. like the rest of the country it's starting to just develop the technology side of how we can perform and do gigs different <laughs> yeah the changes that have come this year in within the music industry within the performing industry the changes that have been forced on it have been monumental haven't they when you think you know beginning this year you had never really experienced or thought that live streaming was going to be the only way to enjoy live yeah. music for six eight nine months of the year and yet it's been a real godsend it has but also quite scary that people are getting a bit used to not going out to see gigs. I'm a bit worried about it being a bit, you know, people are like, oh, I'm quite happy to sit and watch it online. Mm. But I would say that before this, Andy and Zoe were like the king and queen of gigs. Like, no, I don't think there's enough days in the year for the amount of gigs that Zoe feels. <laughs> well, I know what I mentioned to you before about getting these two on. You said, no, not a chance, not a chance. They, they will not be at home. You were everywhere, weren't you? I mean, literally everywhere. And Andy would travel down to London. And when, when, I, when I'm allowed, I, I borrow Andy sometimes for my gigs because I think he's so yeah. uh, one of the best bassists I've ever worked with. And to have him, up, he'd drive all the way down to London and back in the day to do gigs and, and Zoe's all over the place. But must have you must have felt like your wings were clipped oh. severely at the beginning. And, and I know you've adapted because you've been doing some online concerts, but um, you must have felt really... It was terrifying, wasn't it? It was just kind of like... It, over a period of kind of about 
24 to 48 hours, just all of the gigs oh. kind of got cancelled that we had kind of arranged and booked in. And it was like, really? Right, that one, that one. And I was just yeah. every five minutes messaging Mark and messaging Andy, kind of going, that one's been pulled, that one's been pulled. And the, and Mark just got back and went, have all of the gigs been cancelled? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have we got any left? Everything, Everything is basically cancelled. So it was kind of, it, yeah, you just sort of felt like your whole world was kind of falling apart around yeah. you and you didn't know how you were going to, how we, what we, what were we going to do? What, it was mm-hmm. just so bizarre. And then we kind of struck on, okay, but we can do stuff in the house together yeah. as a couple. We've got our voice and bass duo. So then we just kind of got on that vehicle really. And I mean, thankfully it's, it's worked out pretty well. It will be doing our 30th gig. That's amazing. 30th living room 30th. gig this week. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you, so you kept them up regularly and you've been doing stuff with Paul Edis as well. Yes. Project two. So there's been that going on too. But tell us a little bit more about your bass and voice project. How did you get started with that? Yeah. Well, actually, you should put, well, I'll I'll hand over to you. But it was Zoe's idea first because before we met, or certainly before we started working regularly together, so this was obviously Mm -hmm. before we became a couple, your first album, you have a, there's a a tune on your first album, which you did with just, Bass. Just based with uh, Russ Pearson on Russ Pearson, yeah, yeah, who now lives in Norway. Um, so he was the bass player on my first album, and I, yeah, it was an idea. I just I'd heard a few covers and different versions of tunes where it had just been vocals and bass, and I always thought it was just an interesting pairing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we'd do like the an introduction to a tune of just just voice and bass, and it it would always work. Um, but I guess it was when it was the Sage Gateshead Jazz Festival and Sheila Jordan was over the first okay. time. I think that was in 2009. And okay. uh, she held a workshop and it was absolutely incredible. I mean, it was an hour, the workshop, and we could yeah. have just stayed with her for the whole week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just okay. the stories and, and everything that she knew and just the wealth of knowledge, but just the enthusiasm as well that she still that she still speaks with, you know. But yeah. it was kind of just still sounding like a 25-year-old woman as well when she sings. I don't know how on earth. Yeah. <laughs> but just all, as I say, all the experience. And when I was ex- kind of talking to her afterwards and I explained that my partner played double bass she was like you've got to get a voice and double bass duo together I really really recommend it and she's done it over the years recorded numerous albums with with just bass and she said you can actually be quite adventurous with your repertoire as well don't think it's got to be just bluesy things or things that will work in sort of a 12-8 feel or anything like that you can actually really push it out there if if you're responding to each other and just like any duo setting embrace the space if you like so just mm-hmm. don't worry about filling all the gaps and, and kind of trust each other so yeah with that in mind we <laughs> best foot forward and we just started yeah we just took our advice and we we just started doing loads of different jazz standards but then andy's always got great ideas for different contemporary covers and stuff that we yeah, can do yeah. again sort of drawn back onto the other influences that we have fingertips touching me sending electricity Messaging frantically It's like our own telepathy Breathing in the only one Knowing where it all begun It's written in our favorite song Preciously we both belong Whispering eternity Living in a reverie Cooking up the chemistry Closer than you'll ever be I can't get enough 
dancing to our melody, delicately guiding me, reaching out instinctively, feeling every move you make, longingly I'll watch and wait, follow me, believe our fate, this is real, make no mistake, I can't get Sleep. What you give, I'll always keep. Here we stand in the silence, side by side we are, growing strong every minute. Hours pass, I'm yours. Who am I? Won't forget you. All along, it's here. Never mind, it possessed you. part of our interview with this week's guest Zoe Gilby and Andy Champion uh, we just played another track from their latest album Living in Shadows and that was a track called Sending Electricity and we're going to go into one of our favourites who we like to feature on the show quite a lot because it's just a feel good kind of thing when we play this wonderful artist and this is an Oscar Peterson Gershwin song called Oh Lady Be Good. Have a special birthday coming up or looking for a funky venue for your wedding reception? The 606 Club is the ideal alternative setting for any occasion. Mm. 
another Gershwin track we just listened to there, Oh Lady Be Good, which was chosen voice by Joe. And of course, on the show last week, we're making a habit of playing Gershwin because uh, Jason it did that wonderful, wonderful, well, it's a, a rework, but it had a kind of this rap running through it of summertime. Musicians, they're a special breed. I, I love the way that you guys can just see things differently and think that will work. I can do that. <laughs> He does it exceptionally well, I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, doesn't he just? But uh, obviously, there's a bit of a trumpeter theme going on here. We just had Andy a few moments ago. Now you picked another trumpeter for us this month. I love the trumpet. Yeah, it's, a it's a gorgeous instrument, yeah. In romantic kind of instrument, I think. Um, when played very well, not when I play. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even tried, and I don't think I should be <laughs> run a million miles from trying as well. Um, yeah, this is a really mellow and beautiful song by the wonderful Wynton Marsalis from an album called The Midnight Blues Standard Time and it's called The Party's Over.
the wonderful sounds of Wynton Marsalis and the party's over. So once again this month, uh, I know you're too modest to mention it yourself, but you've had national coverage. Back with your best mate, Joe Wiley. Oh, me and Joe. She's coming over for tea next week, yep. <laughs> it sounds that way as well. You two got on so well on that interview. If, if, if you're looking to go back and listen, Joe Harrop was on Joe Wiley's Radio 2 show. I'm sure you'll find it on the BBC Sounds uh, playback facility. But she sounds such a lovely lady. She's lovely. She really is. She makes you feel very comfortable. It's like talking to a friend. Um, she's, I just can't believe how incredibly supportive uh, that she's being because she's such a huge name, a household name. And, uh, you know, little old me there talking to her on national radio. It's, uh, it was quite something. Um, I'm still pinching myself. It happened. I listened. It really happened. And you and Jamie actually recorded some acoustic tracks for the set as well, didn't you? We would have gone in and done the show together probably in normal times, but you can't go into the building. So we would have gone in and chatted together and played the tracks there and then. So we had to pre-record them, which was um, which was a pleasure because we got to play these a couple of songs from the album and a new song. We, we chose a Radiohead cover, uh, No Surprises, um, which surprised quite a few people actually. But um, yeah, it was lovely just to reimagine the songs on an acoustic guitar and, and I think that, that Joe really dug them as well so um, yeah that was that was a cool feature you know a 30 minute feature yeah and, and it showed a real good side of you as well because it wasn't all about jazz it was about some of the other likes of music that you got as well well I think of myself as a singer you know like I never wanted to be pigeonholed particularly um, I know that people like to put everything in a box so they can label it but um, you know I've, I've, I have got a very eclectic taste and very eclectic background I started off in pop and I very much love pop mm. uh, soul funk rock um, you know it's all influenced me through the years and you know my, my jazz has been with me all my life too but um, there are other influences in there and and they're there to be celebrated too, you know. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed listening to that Madonna track. Madonna and all, I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's go back to our guests this uh, week or this month on the show. Uh, singer Zoe Gilby and bass player Andy Champion are with us. And being the bass player that he is, uh, Andy has chosen something from Charlie Mingus or Charles Mingus. And this is Fable of Phobos. Listen online, on DAB and on smart speakers. Straight ahead with London's leading music venue, The 606 Club. Thank you. 
And as, as the only non-musician here, I mean, Joe, obviously you had a, a duet album that came out earlier this year. If you know you're yeah. duetting with different instruments, does it vocally, do you put in a different um, charts together if you know you're going to be duetting, say, with piano or with bass or with guitar? Does it vary much what you're singing with and along to? It can do, yeah. Um, it, your arrangement definitely has to be kind of figured out because there is literally just the two of you. So any sort of accompaniment uh, that that you're going to have, you kind of need to figure out what that's what that's going to be, what it's going to look like. Certainly for voice and bass, yeah. and definitely when there's been when it's been the contemporary stuff, there's got to be like an arrangement to it. So Andy'll have a great idea. Oh, let's do um, let's do a Nick Cave cover. But he'll kind of really develop a sound and like and a hook and a riff that'll work on bass that'll kind of accompany the vocals, but will also just kind of portray the whole the whole tune, um, but giving it its own unique. Yeah. So I know Joe was telling us earlier this year how exposed and kind of it's very raw a duet's especially album, isn't it? With, especially with bass and voice, I would say, you know. But I've seen these two in action, um, and when I saw. You guys, the first time, you know, I was just absolutely blown away because the way that you approach, well, first of all, the material, you know, you've got Nick Cave, you do the the theme song from um, from the um, Peaky Blinders um, okay. program, which is the the which is brilliant, and and, and Joni Mitchell, you put in there, and some jazz stuff as well, and it's like keeping it. The, the interest there is you've done just an amazing job with that. I think it's the material, but also the way you approach it as well. I mean, it's um, the ideas and just the relationship that you two have got. There's obviously so much trust there. Um, it, it really is a great show. Yeah, yeah. okay. No, it, it, it does feel I like mean, that. for me, it's, um, it's just an opportunity because being married to living with a, a great vocalist, it's an opportunity for me to play some songs that I wouldn't normally get an opportunity to. And I love songs. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm still kind of that. I've, I've got a big fondness for like just pop music, you know, the Beatles and all that. For, oh, even up to like modern day stuff. I love really straightforward melodies, you know, and uh, so like just trying to find material. It's not actually, you know what, I'm saying trying to find it. I don't find it. It just jumps out. We'll yeah. be listening to something. We'll have a record on one night and then it'll just be like, we could do that. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think we did um, Way Down in the Hole. Yeah. Because we'd been watching The Wire. Oh, know? yeah, I love that one. And and it they, that was the theme music. Mm-hmm. But it was the theme, I think it was the theme music throughout all the series. They had a different band doing each one. That's the right. Boys from Alabama yeah. and then... Well, that's the one we kind of took it on. And I remember just kind of, we'd watched it. And then we'd watch this episode and it finished and the music came on and it's just like, we should do that. I just immediately got up and got the bass and was like, worked it out. And like, and that just came together. I mean, there's not a lot to it as a song, but it came together really quick. Yeah, and yeah. and that's one of the favourites. Yeah. Those kind of things go down really well, you know. The really yeah. kind of- How does the writing relationship work? Is it you lay down a melody and is are you bring lyrics or...? So I kind of usually start it off with a melody idea and some lyrics. So, but the melody idea normally comes first. So I'll sort of have something kind of in mind, and it'll it will just come at random points as well throughout the day. Just something will pop into my head, and I'll just record it into my little voice memo yeah. app, 
So if anyone wants to go through that, they'd hear all sorts of <laughs> <laughs> random stuff. Uh, and it would just be like, oh, what does that melody make me think of? Or if something's happened recently, or if I've watched a film or read a book or something, or just something that's maybe has affected me, or even just a conversation that I've had with somebody recently. And it's like, right, this is the basis of what the tune will be about. And that kind of sketch out the melody idea and sketch out the uh, the lyrics, basically, and, and how I think it would how I could envisage it working and then basically take it to Andy and it, and it'll change a bit from there. Andy mm -hmm. will obviously harmonize it and stuff and come up with a lovely chord structure to it as well. But sometimes the melody will change slightly as okay, if we change this a little bit, what I maybe is envisaged as a, as a verse, no, let's make that a little bridge section. So then it does, um, as I say, kind of. Yeah. It always, it. it always starts with your kind of initial sketch of an idea. Um, yeah. There's know. been a couple of ones where you've come up with the melody. And you've yeah, had the melody I, written, and I've put the lyrics to it. Uh -huh. That's happened a couple of times. That was nice to do as well, and a bit different when the melody's already composed mm -hmm. to come up with it. It's a, there's a di it's a different sort of a challenge because it's kind Ooh. of already been created to some extent. So you've then got to just interpret it as as how you would, and, the, and then put the lyrics on, which is basically yeah. what I did with the Tom Harrell stuff as well, which was the album that we were going to release earlier this year, uh, which yeah. will probably be coming out next year, which is. <laughs> The lyrical interpretations of Tom Harrell instrumental compositions, which yeah. was another wonderful idea that Andy Champion had. <laughs> good ideas, you well, know. You've Not had Mary and me. <laughs> lots of um, projects and quite a few albums. How many albums do you have in total now, Zoe? Um, I've got four. Well, this will be the fourth, fourth one, won't it? The and then Tom a, the one. Tom Harrell one. Yeah. And then, but Living in Shadows. I mean, that's a that'll be the fifth that's one. New, that's okay. the fifth one. That'll be the and fifth. What was it? What was it that highlighted when you won the award, the parliamentary award, which we were so excited about last year? Oh so well deserved. Seems like a lifetime ago now. Oh, no. uh, so what do you, do you know what highlighted what was um what brought that to the forefront? Was were you it was the best vocal artist, wasn't it? It was. It was I still it, did it actually happen? Did that it was just amazing. So you, it's kind of put to the put to the sort of public vote. So the public vote for who they would like to make this uh, best vocalist or best instrumentalist, yeah. best album, um, okay. and then it gets shortlisted. So when I got the email through that I'd been shortlisted, it mm -hmm. was like, what, really? That to me, that was like I'd won. But in my mind, it was like that's that's incredible. That's enough yeah. good news for me. That'll oh. I'll dine out on that for years. <laughs> Just being in the shortlist, that's fantastic. Um, and then we, we were invited to Pizza Express for the ceremony. And you don't you don't know who the winners are until that that night. So we were all dressed up. <laughs> nice time and, and socialising with all the lovely people there and sort of see, meeting new faces as well and networking. And then the, and all, the, the awards started getting announced and it was just kind of sitting there. And then they said my name and I just kind of sat there like, so, <laughs> and you kind of nudged me like, Zoe, you're going to have to get up and get the award. You just sit there. Had you prepared a speech? No. And that's, <laughs> this, that's the takeaway information that you need to get from this. That's a strong piece of advice. If ever you've been nominated for something, even if you've completely convinced yourself you're never going to win, just have a little vague idea. I hear what you said was wonderful. It was, <laughs> Apparently, it was, it was very. Heartfelt. Heartfelt. <laughs> no, you don't need to prepare anything, so. <laughs> and then you've got the vinyl club that you run as well, haven't you? 
Yes. Which is something very yeah. close to my heart. That sounds like a wonderful idea. Talk, talk, tell us about that. Well, it's um, we just love vinyl. And fortunately, back in the 90s when vinyl was going out of fashion, I didn't get rid of any of my records. They just went in storage. And, um, yeah, then, I don't know, a few years ago, I got a little deck and an amp, and I started listening to the odd thing. And then it just kind of it grew from there. And then, like, talked to a couple of friends. And they're like, yeah, I've still got my records and my record player. It was like, so it, it just started out as something that we would just, like, it would be a post on Facebook where it was like, oh, we've been listening to this. And then someone would comment, yeah, I've been listening to that without ever thinking any more of it until lockdown happened. And it was kind of like, like well, we could FaceTime each other and and play a record. Now, you, you know, we were kind of thinking, but you're not going to really hear what other person's playing, but surprisingly you do. And it's and it's very sociable, I suppose. You know, you, you put a record on it and you talk about it. So there's, yeah. a, there's a few of us. Yeah. Um, little, I want to join. You yeah. can join. And it's free. Oh, there you go. Four letters we like. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. With vinyl, we were saying just before we started the interview, it's a massive passion and a very costly passion of mine as well. When I look at each week of what more, what vinyl I bought, I buy a lot of very, very rare soul um, from the late 70s and early 80s. And it's only available on vinyl. Um, And that's the side of the jazz that I buy. And luckily, I've kept all my dad's original albums that he had too. So I've got quite a array of jazz vinyl as, as, as well but oh. yeah as you say it's that thing when you put vinyl you do sit down and you just begin reading sleeve notes and then you begin talking and then one thing leads to another and oh if you like that you might like this and yeah. there's a wonderful yeah. romance to it there still is even though i get sent so many mp3s mp4s whatever to be playing vinyl still still yeah. wins hands down it, it, it forces me to listen to the music in a different way mm-hmm. I, you know you've got to dedicate your time to it you've got to give yourself to a record, I think, and holding the sleeve, you know, um, and reading all the notes on it. So, you know, our thing, Living in Shadows, when we realised we were going <clears> to <throat> release it and it was going to be something, I was like, well, it's going to be a total vanity project, but I'm getting it pressed on vinyl. I was going to ask if we had anything on vinyl yet. I would yeah, like um, That's coming. Well, that, that'll <laughs> be the first project of ours that we've had on vinyl. I've, I've been on records that have been pressed on vinyl and it's really exciting. It's the ultimate. I don't know if it's just me because I'm used to it from the age I come from, but it's so different. It's so exciting getting the record. (laughs) I mean, I've had so so many times over lockdown, I've had to like try and delete the Discogs app. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's my dirty little secret as well, yeah. I'm spending too much money (laughs) here. (laughs) You just need like a breathalyzer before you go on it. No, you're not still a little limiter. (laughs) I think Zoe was going to start an intervention. (laughs) (laughs) Find too many records. You were like, oh, what about that? But another lovely one was there's a, uh, well, there's some really good vinyl record shops in the city centre as well that have managed to, once the shops were able to reopen, uh, start trading again. But there was one that was, they were trading online and there was one of them, he would deliver it on his bike for you. So you could, I know it was brilliant, final on a bike. If you live <laughs> within a three mile radius of Newcastle city centre, which wow. fortunately we do, yeah. he would come and deliver your records That's on his bike. How wonderful is that? It's, it's but fortunately for him, 
We live at the bottom of a very steep bank. Yeah. <laughs> so he came down, dropped it off, and then like I watched him like push his bike back up the street. I was like, oh, I should have taken the shortcut. in the future on the <laughs> and, and the Living in the Shadows album that we're speaking of. I know it's released in December, isn't it? Is that a self-release or under a label? Yes, self-released. It's, not, it's on our own little label that we've put together called Evening Play Records. Um, so we just figured we'd set it up, to, and we'll, we're going to release other stuff from it, um, from on that label, in in the future, um, and see what happens. So just just kind of, I don't know. There's something about if we'd re- just released it on CD. This is going to sound crazy, but if we just released it on CD and download, we would have just self-released it. But you know, vinyl, and again, it's just me, my little vanity project. It was like I want to have if it's gonna. We've got to have a record label to put on, on the, the record label. label. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we just yeah. went for it. So we did we've, that. I mean, we've released might... the two singles as well, kind of in the lead up to the album. So the first yeah. single was out uh, at the end of July, and then the second single came out at the end of September. Yeah. So they've been sort of building momentum. They've just only been for download so far. So that's just nice kind of little tasters for people because I think Everyone was kind of like, "What is this Living in Shadows project? What is it all about?" And it's like, "Well, here's a little idea for you." Here's a little yeah. That was the for the day was the first single, wasn't it? Yeah, for the day, yeah, which is about bird migration, um, and kind of the whole thing is a sort of transition and movement feel to it. The whole the whole album. It's not a concept album. It's not a concept it? album, but it, it's. So we so we drew the line there. <laughs> I know we're like rock, but it's not a concept album. But yeah, we decided it. it yeah, just those the bunch of songs that we kind of ended up composing it was like they all seem to have a theme of of movement and transition yeah. so for the days about bird migration um yeah and sending electricity is the current single isn't it the second single yeah. that you released yes that's a love song and that's about movement and transition in that when people aren't together and they're forced to be apart just kind of geographically so that's more of um, movement in that <laughs> you're in a different part of the country to each other. Andy was away touring for a period of weeks. This was a, a couple of years ago. Uh, and I just missed him terribly and, and wrote this song when he was away. And it was just kind of, even though there was a geographical distance between us, the love was, I think Andy's going to sort of get very embarrassed now as I talk about yeah. it. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's a love song. So that's kind of like distance in a, in a travel sense. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like about sending the vibes? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, just sending, you know, yeah, the vibes, love. And also like just staying in touch, you know, via kind of little messages, WhatsApp, text messages and things like that, emails, Mm -hmm. you know, phone calls. So it's kind of that kind of thing through through our modern technology, staying in touch with each other as well. And feeling like you were still here. It was like you were still with me, even though you know, you were miles away. It was like, you were still, and it, and it just, I felt like I were, I mean, we were married at that point, but it's still just like, that was the longest time that I'd gone where, where we hadn't been together. Mm-hmm. So it, it just felt like a, a bit of a, I don't know, something kind of developed in, in the relationship. But it's kind of because, positive. It's not like yeah. I'm, I'm missing you and longing oh, no, for you no. kind of song. You know, it's, um, it's like a, no matter what can, can be put as a divide between you as a couple, you can still very much be together even though you're not physically together in the room. Cash car from Baghdad Lives in Sydney, they say With another 
606 gift vouchers, a unique present for those who love the good things in life. And that was Zoe and Andy's choice, Kate Bush and Kashka from Baghdad. And now we're going to go into the sultry Peggy Lee, who would have turned 100 this year. 
This is A Woman Alone with the Blues. What could he tell me to use? No liquid or pill, I'm sure Ever did or will cure A woman alone With the blues Burning memories of The man that I love Crowd all my mental reviews For all of the pain I feel His two loving arms could heal a woman alone with the blues to a blue melody warm and human I could pour my soul out in song and the words would be about a good woman who believed in a man right or wrong he'll come back someday begging forgiveness blushing way down to his shoes No man in this world can find happiness or peace of mind and break any heart he may choose and leave his woman alone. You do bring some lovely music with you every month, Joe. so thank you for that. We've been doing this virtually a year now, do you realise? Virtually a year. Well. I know. And uh, who would have thought the year it was going to be, eh, when we started off back in uh, January? So let's have a little look at the gigs that are down at the club this coming weekend. All gigs start at 7.45 and full details can be found on the website, which is 606club.co.uk. A few hours' time on Thursday evening, we've got Dan Reinstein down with us. On Friday, it is the house band Samara, which features our very own Steve Ruby on the alto and flute, Luna Cohen on vocals and Neil Angilly is on the piano. And then this coming Saturday, Quentin Collins, a wonderful trumpeter, and Vasilis Sinopoulos. And, of course, I have seen you play with Vaz. Lovely guy. So much energy and a beast oh, on the sax as well. An absolute beast. Absolutely. He's, his energy is fantastic. He's, he's such an upbeat guy that 
you know, you can't help but have a good gig when you play with Vass. Absolutely. I love it. I've, so, I've got so much time for him and uh, I think I can possibly even call him a friend. So we're coming up to the last part of our interview now with Zoe and Andy. Um, but we're getting into that last part of the interview with one of the tracks you have chosen, which is Alone in the Morning. Yep, this is the um, Joshua Redmond Quartet and it's a really lovely album and a great track from that, Alone in the Morning.
And oh. a question that we often ask earlier on is about your influences. But we've had such a great conversation. It'd just be interesting to know individually, independently, some of your great influences. Say, Zoe, as, as vocalist, when you were growing up, was there anybody that you heard that that's when the, the catalyst was installed, you thought, yes, I want to sing? Yeah, I absolutely love um, Carmen McRae. She's just a huge, huge influence to me. I loved how just kind of totally fearless she was in, in her approach, how she had a, has a very beautiful voice, has a very pretty sounding voice, but it's actually got a real edge to it as well. I loved her in, improvisation. I mean, I love, obviously, Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday and the other jazz vocalists. Um, but for some reason, I always felt Carmen McRae never really got the full kind of um, the full fanfare that I think she should have done. And a great uh, piano player as well. But I just loved the character and the approach that she would put into things and just, uh, yeah, and, I, and our improvisation. So she and, and she would always pick quite unusual songs. She would sing jazz standards, but she would also sing like Beatles covers and, and other and Carpenters covers and different tunes like that. And the same for, for you, Andy, your influences? Were you a Chambers man? Is it that kind of era you were harking back to? or? Well, um, before I even started playing jazz, I had hair down to my waist and I was into metal, which most most kind of guys in the jazz scene, especially drummers, guitarists, bass players, come through a similar route. You know, you're young, you're like 11, 12 years old, and you get into the heavy stuff. Um, and you want to play an instrument, you know. So you, you kind of you do that, and then you get your instrument, and you're like, and some of us are like, oh, I want to try some other things on this instrument. So that that's how I got into the prog rock, you know, the, the 70s stuff, like Yes and Jethro Tull and things like that. And then that kind of briefly led us through to, like, um, jazz fusion. Because, you know, I, I wasn't a double bass player at this point. I just played electric bass from, from like, the age of 11 through to 26. So at some point, you and Jaco Pastorius comes into your life, and you either quit playing and, <laughs> and do something else, or you or you up your game and try and get better. So fortunately, I did the latter. Um, but actually, fusion, I never, I, it, I never really got into it. I liked it for the musicianship, but the music didn't kind of touch me on any emotional. Not not the stuff I heard. Having said that, I have gone back to some weather report. In, the, in recent years and absolutely fell in love with it. So I, I kind of wasn't ready for it. But, um, yeah, I, I suppose just before I took up the double bass, it might have been one of the reasons why I wanted to um, just bought a couple of Mingus albums. And he's he is God for me. He's got it all. He's got the sound. He's got the technique. I mean, that's just as a bass player. That's not even getting into his – as a composer, you know, he, the guy was – I just – He's a total hero. And yeah, Paul Chambers, love Paul Chambers. Um, I really I really like Paul Chambers' um, Arco stuff when he's playing with the bow. Mm. He released a couple of um, albums as a band leader. And it's got some like heavyweight players on as well. You know, he's got he's got he's he's calling in some favors, I think, because like <laughs> trains on there and on some of them. But um, yeah, just just his playing, I loved. Um, but then really from there, I think kind of the the energy and also, I don't know how you'd say it, yeah, the energy of, of like the, the metal stuff I grew in, I kind of got into um, the free improv stuff as well and some of the more kind of left field things. So, um, 
you know, people like Tim Byrne and John Zone and that kind of New York scene stuff, which is a little bit later, you know, like 80s, 90s stuff. Um, and the bass players like Michael Formanek and um, Drew Gress, um, those guys who, to me, were just like, they could swing like anything. And, and they, you could hear them on straight ahead records. And then you could get another record and they'd be just doing crazy things to their instrument and getting all kinds of sounds out of them. And that that was like an awakening for me. That was like, right, this this is it. You know, if I, if I can be doing something in that kind of field where, mm-hmm. you know, you're not just, he's the guy who plays standards or he's the free guys, you know, I, I like to do it all. It's all yeah, music, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, th- I think one of the first, because my, my dad was a big jazz lover, so there's always jazz playing at home. And I think one of the first Mingus tracks, I, I'm gonna, I might get a title slightly wrong, Goodbye Pork Pie Hat or Mr. Pork. Yeah. yeah. And I heard that and I was immediately like, Dad, who, who is this? Because it was such a cool sound. It was just, it, it's got yeah. a story to it. And there's a warmth to it. There's, a, there's elements yeah. to it that really appealed to me, even as a young kid. I, and, you know, I, I didn't know what I was listening to. It suddenly just sounded amazing yeah oh, so, oh i mean yeah mingus mm-hmm. uh, i'm i'm always in the mood to put a mingus record on you know sometimes you're like oh you know i, I don't want to listen i don't want to chill out i want to so i'll put you know put an old metallica <laughs> you know stop an egg guitar and headbanging yeah. in, in my bedroom <laughs> but you know even if i'm in that mood i could put a mingus album on and that's that's it for the rest of the night it's mingus yeah, and of course, Christian McBride's just released a, a, an album as well. So it's great to see that you know bass players are still prominent and still very much at the forefront as well. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I I'm a bass player, you know, um, so I'm always going to be interested in what bass players come up with. But I think there's something a bit unique about bass players as composers and also band leaders, especially in the in the arrangements. You know, the Dave Holland stuff. I mean, that's incredible music, you know, um, just the way it's the compositions, but also how he arranges the band. I think you you have a unique perspective of the band when you're the bass player, because you're kind of at the bottom of it all, you know, mm-hmm. and generally they're the one that's just playing all the time, you know, yeah. <laughs> after, after the sax player soloed for like, you know, 10 minutes, <laughs> and then the trumpet player does the same, and then the piano player does the same, and then they all stop and look at you. And like, <laughs> Oh, right. I got him. Really? <laughs> I'm for half an hour. He won't be the solo now, you know. It's the most important instrument in the band, though. Yeah. It's the bass. Is it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll read it. It's the glue. I always say it's the glue. Yeah. It is. See, it I, is. I would have thought that was piano. You'd say that's a totally non musician standpoint. I would have thought that was the one that was a reference, but obviously, clearly, no, the bass is the one that's. That's the anchor point, isn't it? Well, they're all important, aren't they? You know, but. um. There's something about, I think the bass player has a lot of control in the band. And um, I, I always feel like he's got a, he's so a major part with the drummer part of the rhythm section. Mm. Um, but he's also outlining the harmony. And I kind of feel like, <laughs> I've come up with some crazy analogies, but, you know, you've got like an expedition and you're, and you're trekking through a jungle, a rainforest. The bass player should be the guy at the front with the machete, <laughs> you know, telling everyone else, "This is where we're going, and we're going there right now." You know? <laughs> and that's how I that's how I view it. It's like these are these are the changes, and we're doing it now. You know, and you kind of the first one to the beat. You know, 
so that everyone has a foundation to play on, you know. Well, um, absolutely. That's what I feel anyway. I, I agree. I mean, I, I, honestly, I've done a um, few gigs where the bass player's not been up to scratch and it ruins the whole thing. I yeah. should say name names, but I won't do that to I can tell you this now, it's absolutely not you. <laughs> <laughs> so apart from playing some tracks from your album through the course of the show this week, you've been kind enough to send over some other tracks, and there's a Mingus track in there, and there's a Carl McRae track. Were those particular tracks you've chosen by those two artists for any particular reason, or just because they were great examples of what they represent to you? Yeah, I think the Mingus one, when we talked about it, our um was just something that I think we both... Well, yeah, at different times in our life, Mm -hmm. that album had a big impact on both of us. Um, I think that was the first Mingus album I bought. Um, Yeah, Yeah, my dad was a big fan of Mingus. Uh, My dad was a jazz musician and uh, arranger, and he absolutely loved Mingus for all the same reasons that Andy's outlined there. So kind of as as a child, I grew up listening, like yourself, David, grew up listening to a lot of jazz mm-hmm. and it was just kind of, oh, do your parents not listen to jazz? Okay, mine, mine do. <laughs> your dad <laughs> so I didn't kind of realise, took it totally for granted really, but just this phenomenal sound and just kind of my dad talking about Mingus and particularly talking about that album, but also that track as well. And also when my dad, he became quite poorly, but before um, he became too early, he actually put his own big band together in his own arrangements. And a lot of them were Charles Mingus arrangements that he felt very passionate about. So it it just always seemed right that Mingus would have to be included yeah. in this. Definitely. And the Carmen McCree one. Was oh, it's a beautiful song, isn't it? Oh, what are you doing the rest of your life? No. Actually, I walked down the aisle to when we got married. That's true. Well, uh, hey, I sang that to Joe at our wedding. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I've not sang it to anybody. Yeah. Well, come on. David. No, I'm not like game. A, I'm not married. B, I can't sing. There's a, there's a lot of problems going. Yeah. Just it wasn't. That's just it was under the influence of a lot of Italian red wine and sambuca and limoncello and God knows what else. <laughs> and then there's, uh, amazing, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a Kate Bush influence track. You mentioned your love of Kate Bush a little bit earlier on, actually. Mm-hmm. And this is one of her uh, influence tracks that you sent over as well, isn't there? Yeah. Well, that's is that the that's a that's the duo, our duo. That's a version of one mm. of her lesser known songs, a, an early track of hers, um, which is really like just an album track. Um, yeah. I mean, I was like 15 years old, and I was watching a rerun. I was too young to get Kate Bush like first time round. Although I remember being a little kid and seeing one top, seeing her on top of the pops and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was about fifteen, and uh, we we got cable television, you got all the old reruns of Top of the Pops, and yeah, Kate Bush singing Wuthering Heights came on, and I was just like, oh my god, all right, my life had changed. You know, well she was beautiful. She was beautiful. But the song, it just it, like totally got to me. So like literally the next day, you know, I'm talking like 1992 this is. So but next day, went into Newcastle, record shop, got the first album, Kate Bush, and that was it. My life changed forever. And I've just been a huge fan of Kate Bush ever since. The, she's probably the biggest influence on the Living in Shadows project as well. Okay. Where we can kind of go that way yeah. on. But yeah, just kind of, like I think you um 
you had no choice but to really get it. Yeah, Andy kind of, I mean, obviously, I knew who you know. I was into Kate Bush because you would just have to be crazy not to be, not to admire the woman, and not to be totally blown away by everything that she's created. Um, but kind of to really, again, it's sort of sitting with with the vinyl, isn't it, and really listening to it, looking at sort of all the information that because she's quite informative. Well, she, all the lyrics are always on our vinyl, aren't they? Usually, and mm-hmm. just and and just being able to hear all the production in it as well. It was mm-hmm. like this is fascinating you know and kind of when you sort of read about her and read about her musical journey and how young she was when she kind of first came to the fore but so headstrong as well it, she didn't it was she wanted Wuthering Heights didn't she to be our first she single. argued with the record label EMI they wanted to release another song off her album bearing in mind she was 19 and she's just signed to EMI <laughs> Telling you know, the record label. It's the first thing they're going to release by her, and she's telling them, no, you're not releasing that song, you're going to release this one. Yeah. You know? and, and they backed down, they went with it, and uh, it went and it went to number one. And she was nurtured, <laughs> she was developed, it was back in the day when a record label would be able to do that, where they would sort of find a talent, yeah. like it's extraordinary, like Kate Bush, and be like, she is a complete one-off, but it's too soon for her to start releasing things mm-hmm. now. She needs to just work on her songwriting and be building on that, so they they kind of did like a development nurturing scheme yeah. with her, if you like, for a couple of years oh, okay. before she actually released that. So, uh, but our family were always very supportive, weren't they? And I think our brothers are on a lot of our recordings as well. Um, but just also what she would write songs about, she just taught, again, that to use that word fearless, just be very, yeah, fearless at, at kind of whatever subject matter she would pick to write about a, a particular, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that's why I like that, that song, Kashka from Baghdad. It's got a nice feel to it, you know. It's kind of got an exotic thing going on, <laughs> but the lyrics, the content, you know, what it's about. I just thought, yeah, Zoe, Zoe could do something with that. I, I know very little. I, I probably one of my faults is I get very pigeonholed, so if it's not jazz or soul, I yeah. kind of don't listen. But I think there's one track I do have heard, which is this woman's work, this woman's world. Yeah, yeah that is beautiful. And and Joe and I always talk ballads and so as soon as i heard that song i didn't care where genre it came from it was just a most beautiful piece of music which stood by itself and then she became a recluse did she not she She backed away completely from the industry didn't she Mm -hmm. she kind of went so i think she kind of burned out a little bit didn't she yeah i think she kind of like had some major things happen in her life losing her parents and relationship breaking down but um she just kind of yeah withdrew Mm. and and had it and had a family had a had a son Mm-hmm. And then came back, released. It was, I think, it was actually a son. Then, kind of inspired her to release another album. I mean, we're still talking like almost twenty years ago. And then, again, I think it was a son um, talked her into doing some live performances again at Hammersmith Apollo. Is it now? Yeah. I always think of it as Hammer, Hammersmith Podium. And we were lucky enough to go to one of the gigs. <gasps> so. That was a life-changing experience, just to be in the same room as Kate Bush. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was quite emotional, actually. It was very expensive as well. It was very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and uh, just to uh, get towards the end of our time with you, but it's December the 4th, isn't it, that's scheduled for the release date of your album? Yes. And I'm assuming you're quite good on social media and stuff, so people will be able to see when it's coming up. Oh. Yes. Well, it's always better than I am. Yeah, we, we, we'll mention it once or twice in the lead-up to yeah. it, shall we say. Yeah, we'll yeah. be yeah, about releasing it. And we've got other stuff that we've started writing and that we're going to be working on, you mm-hmm. know, so this is a project that we'd like to 
continue with yeah. and see where it goes. And then the Tom Harrell album will be out next year. Yeah. Um, Joe, it sounds to me like we can have them back. I hope so. I have not finished with you yet. I'm very envious about the fact that they can work together, like live together and work together and, and, and do that creation be constantly creative i think that's just wonderful i think it's um you know all well, the great things that you come out with we're lucky we're really lucky that we're a couple who who can work mm. who, who willingly want to work to, with each other um yeah. and like we talked about before you know our living room gigs we've been doing any future gigs planned because i know you had a few things planned for um for down here didn't you but i'm guessing or when i say down here i mean in london yeah, yeah, they had to be shelved. They, they are. I mean, I'm actually I'm doing a gig this Saturday oh. at Gosforth Civic Theatre, just north of Newcastle, with the Paul Edis Trio. Oh, and it's it's the album. It's an album launch. Incredible. So, yes. Uh, so there there will be a live audience, a, a select live audience at it, but it's also going to be live streamed as well. Yeah. Um. So I'm looking forward to that. So that's this Saturday. Yeah. But um, I think this, although that, this radio show, so yeah. that was probably now. But you might still be able to get a hold of the. You might still be able to get a hold of the live stream. Live stream. But you'll definitely be able to download Paul Edis's album Absolutely. from his Snakes band and camp. Yeah, we've been playing tracks. Yeah, we've been playing tracks from that. It's a yeah. great, great sounding yeah. album. Yeah, it's that was tremendous. great. I mean, again, we recorded that last November, and then whatever plan we had for it just went out the window. And I think Paul's just kind of gone now nah, let's put let's it out now it. and and amazingly we've managed to get an album launch gig <laughs> an audience yeah. there i mean so that's great and oh. i think have I, got, have I got a couple of things for you coming up you have. i can't wait let's see if the government don't mess it up for us <laughs> well, yeah. uh november 20th at the hampstead jazz club and then possibly Something at this stage, if uh, if we can do Jazzy Christmas in December, oh. but I mean, hey, that oh. seems like a long way off. Yeah, well, keep your fingers crossed. Anyway. Yeah, cross that bridge. But uh, we're doing a live stream for Sound Cellar and Pool, okay. um, which will be available because that's on the twenty. That's actually on Thursday, the twenty second of. October, which I know is going back in time to when the show will be put out, but I think people can still access and get they normally, the live. They normally archive them, yeah. If, yeah, if they, if they wanted to check that out. So that'll be us in our own home doing a little live stream. Appearing in pool. Appearing in pool. Appearing in pool. Like in tour from yeah. your own home. Wow. That's- <laughs> well, that's fantastic, guys. So we've Aww. finally managed to have a good chat with you. There's plenty to get through and we've got some great music of yours we're going to be listening to through the course of the show this week as well. So... Andy, Zoe, on behalf of Joe and I, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great to have you. Thank you. Thank you, you, David. Thank you, Joe. Lovely. Come back soon. Thank you, guys. What are you doing the rest of your life? North and South, 
up joe but uh knowing you i'm sure you've already got some songs in the folder ready for next month always good always... i do look forward to when i get that uh, link saying here's the songs for the show this month <laughs> see what you've picked out for us and um we've got one more track to play as i said on the show and it is oh sorry something else we should mention you've got a gig coming up cadogan hall oh yeah um this is part of london jazz festival um november the 21st which is a saturday mm-hmm of the times yet but it's Cadogan Hall so you can um, purchase tickets through their website mm-hmm. it's Jamie and I we're doing an album launch there finally yeah finally and there's also um, a few other uh, wonderful artists playing Judy Jackson being the headline act and Tara Minton who's a harpist singer who's uh, one of our uh, label mates as well so she would she'll be performing and we've got strings so it's going to be oh, something beautiful special. um and and that week as well as london jazz festival so we'll be at Tamsa jazz club doing paul edis and i's project time and place and a jazz vinyl playback with alex webb so lots going on that week but it's uh, not until mid-november but uh you know plenty of time to prepare only two or three weeks away 
go get yeah. the tickets. Cadogan Hall's website is a good place to go get them. And you can see Joe and finally see the album launch, that beautiful album that uh, you released back in May, April, May. We released it in May. Yeah, there you go. And so to our final track, Tony Bennett miraculously, miraculously has once again crept back into our playlist. <laughs> and this time with Bill Evans. 94-year-old Tony Bennett. Yeah, he is, um, well, he's, you know, that al- those albums are just perfect, aren't they? They're just so beautiful and stunning. So, uh, And he's a romantic song called Young and Foolish. Thanks ever so much, Joe, and I'll see you next month. Young and foolish Why is it wrong to be Young and foolish We haven't long to be Soon enough the carefree days The sunlit days go by Soon enough The bluebird has to fly We were foolish One day we fell in love sunlight laughing in the rain I wish that we were young and foolish again
us again.